Pray, Lord, that you would just be glorified uh, through this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're in week three of our How-To Christmas series. In the first week, we dealt with how to manage our anger. Last week, we dealt with how to resist temptation. And this week is more of a relational category, and that is how to have peace with others. Now, some people are very difficult, and oftentimes those people are in your family. So lucky you, you get to spend a little extra time with them during the holidays, right? So you might be mad at them, they may be mad at you. They may have upset you, you may have upset them. Or maybe it's not somebody in your family, maybe it's a friend or someone at work or someone at church. Regardless of who it is, regardless of who it is, I know that deep down you want to have peace with them. I know that deep down that you want to have peace with them because living in the way that you're living right now is actually not a good option. And you realize that. Living the way you're living right now is not a good option. So how do we have peace with them? Well, before we learn how to have peace with others, we need to start with ourselves. We need to start with ourselves. First, we need to have, we need to have peace with God. So basically... We have to start off with us, and because it's Christmas time, I want to share a couple of very famous Christmas passages. Uh, Luke 2, 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. So God wants to have peace with us, and part of Christ coming to this earth was actually that. When the angel said that, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. And then we move on to Isaiah 9, 6. It says, For unto us a child is born. Now this is prophecy. Remember, this is Isaiah, 700 years before Christ. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now Jesus came to this world to bring us peace. Now, many people thought when Jesus first came, the coming of the Messiah, he was going to bring world peace, okay? That's why there was a lot of uh, questions with the religious leaders. But truthfully, when Jesus came the first time, Jesus came to this world to actually bring peace to us. This is really the start of the gospel. We need to have peace with God. Now, I don't know if you all know this, I know many of you do, but we're actually at odds with God. We're actually at odds with God, and that is because of our sin. Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities, or sin, that means, iniquities means sin, but your sin have made you a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. So basically what happens here is because of sin, there's a separation between us and God, meaning we do not have peace with God. Now, some of you might be thinking right now, well, wait, I'm not a sinner. But the scriptures actually teach us this in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we are in that all, right? It's, there's no one excluded from that. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the truth is, it actually gets worse. Not only are we sinners that fall short of the glory of God that separates us from God, we're actually offending a perfect God. And this is what the passage says in Romans 6.23, the first part. For the wages of sin is death. 
So just like if you commit a crime, there should be justice, right? The true justice for our sin is actually spiritual death or separation from God. But this is where God offers a peace treaty to us. God wants to have peace with us. So in the second part of Romans 6.23, it says, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God is saying, here's my peace treaty. Here's my gift of peace to you that I will lay down my life to pay the price for your sins. Instead of you paying, the wage of sin is death. Instead of you paying, I'm going to pay on your behalf. You hear me say this every week, right? Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Three days later, he rose to prove that he is God. And the scriptures say what? All who believe will have eternal life. You're accepting that peace treaty. When you believe in Jesus as your Savior, you're accepting the peace that he's offering. Romans 5.1 says it this way. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you've heard me say this as well. Justified by faith, we have faith in Jesus. Justified, an easy way to remember, it's as just as if I never sinned. Okay, so that's how God looks at us. So now when we trust in him, we have peace with him. Because we're justified before the Father, it means we're forgiven of our sin debt. We are no longer at odds with God, the Father, because Jesus, the Son, paid our sin debt. So now we have peace with God, which brings us to the next thing we need. So if we're going to have peace with others, first we have to have peace with God. But this brings us to the next thing that we're going to need to have peace with others. And that's something called inner peace. Something called inner peace. Let's see. Okay, there we go. So now the term inner peace, it sounds like very new agey, right? Oh, I got my inner peace here, right? Many movements of like, you know, false religion, godless human philosophies, you know, they say, oh, you need your inner peace, right? Well, a definition of inner peace is the feeling of a deep sense of mental and spiritual harmony or serenity. So some think you gain inner peace by being out in nature, right? Being quiet, doing something you love, good things happening to you, being around positive people. That's how you gain inner peace. Now I'm saying those things are all good and can help a lot. But for the Christian, we have to come to the realization that inner peace is not something we can actually achieve. It's actually something given to us when we trust in Jesus and it's actually waiting for us to grab hold of. You get that? So it's not something we go and achieve. It's something actually given to us already and waiting for us to grab hold of. Now, how do I know this? Well, John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So the world cannot give us the peace that Jesus gives us. That's what Jesus is saying. The world cannot give us the peace that he gives us. The world can give us glimmers of that, but will always leave us wanting more. It's never good enough, right? Sometimes this, the things of this world even deceive us into thinking this is what brings peace like money, like vacations, like people, like possessions. Oh, everything's in order. I have all everything in order. Now I have peace. It gives us a glimmer of that, 
But right, what happens? When that's challenged, all of a sudden, our peace goes away. You know, for me this morning, I wasn't really going to share this because I didn't even know they were playing Waymaker, but the, the, um, the, the week that my son was diagnosed with lymphoma, and he's doing fine right now, so we're good, and you can pray for him because he gets his nine-month checkup after Christmas, but the week that he was diagnosed with lymphoma, I came to church, and I was preaching that Sunday, and the worship band was playing Waymaker, and I could just hear that. Miracle worker, promise keeper, miracle worker, promise keeper. And that's, and just so this Sunday, that's why I'm wiping my nose a lot. Um, it just all came back to me. Because you know what? The peace that I had was challenged because I got news that no parent wants to hear. Okay? So the peace that I had was challenged. But the truth is, when I heard that song, it reminded me, the peace is not really challenged, Mike. You still have it. Just grab it, okay? You still have it. Just grab it. I'm still the same God. That's who I am. I'm still the same God. So those things, you know what? Here's what happens. When those things are challenged, it brings trouble and problems. But then Jesus says this. I love this. Let not what? Your heart be troubled. So Jesus tells us the peace he gives us actually extinguishes the trouble and fear that we have in this life. You get that? The peace that he gives us extinguishes all that. So I don't know what you're going through. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe it's a relational thing. Maybe it's a sin thing. Maybe, I don't know what it is, but it's challenging your peace. And Jesus is saying, don't worry. The peace that I give you, it's unmatched. Let not your heart be troubled. Then he says in John 16, 33, I have said these things to you, that me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So what are these things that he said? Well, in John 16, Jesus tells his disciples about his crucifixion and how they will not see him and then they will see him again. Okay, so these guys have been following Jesus around for three years. And then he's like, soon you won't see me, but then you'll see me again. They're like, what? You know what I mean? This is crazy talk, Jesus. What's going on? And then he tells them how he's going to send the Holy Spirit as a helper for them. But then he warns them of the troubles and the difficulties they will have in this world. And if you study the scriptures, you know that everyone except for John was killed for their faith. John was exiled. He was, they tried to kill him, but it didn't work. They tried to boil him in oil. Somehow he got out. But anyway, basically... He was exiled. So he's saying, hey, guys, listen, but in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. These are promises that we don't like, right? But in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, or in other words, have peace because I have overcome the world. Meaning, God is in control. He started the process of making things right because he's starting with the heart of each person. And let me say that again. He started the process of making things right because he's starting with the heart of each person. That's why in order for us to have peace with other people, it has to start with us having peace with God and then flowing out into this inner peace. And he wants to work to take root in each person's life. 
So we grab hold of that by fixing our minds on him rather than the things of the world that are troubling us. You get that? We take hold of it by fixing our minds on him rather than the things of the world that are troubling us. So if you come in here this morning and you have things that are troubling you, you're fixing your mind on that. And guess what? Your peace is challenged. You don't have peace because all you're doing is worrying about this thing and, and it obsessing over it. But he's saying, no, 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 no. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So if you want a little tip for having peace on a daily, okay, here it is. Keep your mind fixed on the things of the Lord. The mind of the believer should be on the things of God. When our minds are not on him, we don't have inner peace. When our, it's there for us, right? But we're not grabbing hold of it. So now because we have peace with God, that brings inner peace. And when we daily act on that peace, we're actually ready to have peace with other people. But before we move on, there is going to be a problem. There's going to be a problem. The people that we are trying to have peace with may not have peace with God. They may not have inner peace. And you're just like thinking, yep, I know those people. Okay. I got one living in my house. I got one that I work with. These people, like, how can I ever possibly have peace with this person if they're not living in what I just heard? Having peace with God and having peace with others. Well, it's going to be very difficult, but that does not mean that we give up. In fact, Romans 12, 18 says this. And I didn't put that one in there. Okay. Romans 12, 18 says this. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with others. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all or live at peace with others. Well, how do we do that? That's the question that we're going to deal with. How to have peace with other people. And the first thing is we need to pray. Now, Paul models that as he prays for the believers in the church of Thessalonica. He, he, he prays exactly for that. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you. So the Apostle Paul is actually praying for other believers. So when we pray, this is something that we should pray for one another, right? I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ that they have peace with their family members. I pray for them this holiday season as they get together for Christmas, for New Year's. I pray that they're good testimony. I pray that you have peace with your relatives. Because guess what? If you don't, all we get is a story after the event, Right? That's what happens. All we get is a story. Do you know what so-and-so said? Do you know what my mom did? Do you know what my dad did? Do you know what my aunt did? And that's all we get is a story. And then we're like, okay, yeah, okay. I'd rather just pray that you have peace. So it'd be like, great holiday. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was nice. Believe it or not, they were nice. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we prayed. <laughs> we prayed real hard because we met your family, okay? So... <laughs> Maybe it's someone that gives you a problem. You're at odds with them. They persecute you, so you pray. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
Love your enemies and praise. So maybe it's not only just like, you know, you're not having good conversation. You're not having really much conversation. Maybe they're the, the type of person that just persecutes you. Maybe they mock you. You know, you're a Christian. Maybe you're a newer Christian. And, you know, maybe some of the mocking or some of the persecution is like, oh, now you found God. You're going to be like a nice person now. What about all those things that happened in the past? How are you going to make up for those things? I mean, we deal with all different kinds of people in life, right? So Jesus is saying, first of all, pray for one another. And then he's saying, pray for those who persecute you. But maybe the person is not at odds with you. And they're not persecuting you in any way, but there's a problem maybe from your end that you need to confront them about. They could be oblivious to the problem or the issue, and you need to bring it up because you feel that it's something that needs to be dealt with. Anybody have one of those? You just need to bring it up and you're like, well, in order to keep the peace, I'm not going to say anything. But maybe you need to say something. Maybe it's something that needs to be worked out. This may be causing you stress and anxiety as we approach Christmas. It might be causing you stress and anxiety. In fact, it may be impacting your inner peace because you're just thinking, okay, I'm going to have to deal with these people or this person. And, you know, I really want to say something because what they do or what they say is really hurtful. It's hurtful to my family, whatever it might be. And it's challenging that inner peace. Here's what you need to do. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he's saying, here's what you need to do. You need to pray about this. Remember, we're still under prayer. You need to pray about this. Notice what it says. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when you pray... The peace of God. But I love this. And I've, I've said this so many times in my ministry. The peace of God, which what? Surpasses all understanding. You might be thinking, but you don't know my family. You don't know the people that I'm dealing with. You don't understand. Well, guess what? I know. Okay? We don't understand. And God's saying, he's going to give you a peace that you're not even going to understand how you can have the peace in the situation that you're actually in with the people that you're dealing with. So next, how to have peace with others. We pray, but we also pray and ask for wisdom. James 3:17 tells us this. But the what? But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Now, this has a lot in it, but here's the thing. Many times when we're not at peace with others, we seek advice or wisdom from other people. Have you done that before? What should I do in this situation? That's not a bad thing, but it may not be helpful if the people that you are asking either do not know God or do not go to God. So if the people that you're asking do not know God, they don't know God, they don't have that inner peace, or they do not go to God, they don't practice this stuff, okay? They might know God, but there's a lot of banged up Christians out there, right, that don't do the right thing. They don't go to God. They don't go to God when they're supposed to. So what we need to do is we need to go directly to God. So before you ask others, ask God. Why? Because his wisdom is what? 
pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere. I can tell you what, if somebody acts in those ways, you're going to have peace with them. Okay, these are things that we all need in order to have peace. If somebody's acting purely, peaceably, gently, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere, if somebody's acting in those ways, you're going to have peace with them. So when you pray and ask God for wisdom, this is the type of wisdom he's going to give you, which is actually going to help you to make peace with them in the situation. But next... We have to have an attitude of peace. Ephesians 4.3 says, Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now this passage is actually speaking directly to believers at the church in Ephesus. And he's saying to them, Hey, listen guys, here's the thing. You have to be eager to maintain the peace. Our attitude towards one another should be that of eager to be unified. I'm thankful to the Lord that this church is a very peaceful church, eager to be unified. I mean, when you read things about other churches and hear things, or maybe you've been a part of another church, a lot of times believers disagree and argue, and sometimes that leads to church splits. And all it really does, all it really does is when, when, when churches, when believers argue amongst themselves and split up, all it does is get the believers off focus. That's all it does, okay? You might be right, you might be wrong, you have this opinion, you have that opinion. All it does is like, okay, what opinion do you have and whose side are you on? That's all it does. It just gets believers off focus. It happens when we start to focus especially on secondary things rather than focusing on what we're here for, and that is to promote the spread of the gospel message. Okay, if we get caught up in the secondary things and forget about the fact that Jesus saved us and his desire is to save the people outside of this church as well. If we get off that focus, guess what? We're just going to sit around and argue and not have peace. I remember years and years ago when I was a youth pastor, we were on a mission trip and we were working with open air campaigners and we had like 40 kids. We had three different groups in all different places over the city. It was in Boston. They were all over the city. I was pretty stressed out and uh, you know, we're there, we're doing the stuff and kids are there and, and they're handing out tracks and talking to people and uh, some kid comes up to me. He's like, Pastor, I'm like, he's like, can you help me out here? I'm like, what? And so this guy comes up and he's like, what version of Bible do you guys use? And, and, and the kid didn't know what to say. The kid's like, the Bible, God's word version? Okay, like, he didn't know. Like, he didn't know there was different versions even. He's like, well, you got to use the King James version. Like, he starts laying into me. And I don't know, I, normally I wouldn't say something like this. I wouldn't think this quickly on my feet, but it was definitely the Holy Spirit. I looked at the guy and I said, listen, we're out here preaching the gospel, Okay. You're either for us or with us. He was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll help. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe that worked. <laughs> and, but it just, I guess he just got the point. Like, I could be here causing these kids trouble, or I could be helping the cause. What's more important? What's more important? Which brings us to next, we need to do things that promote peace. Psalm 34, 14 says, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Evil causes trouble and good results in peace. 
Evil causes trouble and good results in peace. Seek the peaceful thing to do and actually do it. Romans 14, 19 says, So then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. When we do those things, what does it do? It builds other people up. The person that you're working things out with, or just in general, the people that you're around that see how you handle the things, right? So it builds the person you're working things up with, but other people are seeing. If you're a parent here, guess what? Your kids are looking how you handle your extended family, okay? Your, your siblings, your parents, your kids are watching. Why do you treat mom and dad like that? Why do you treat grandma and grandpa like that? Why do you treat uncle and aunt like that? Why, you know, you're actually either building them up or teaching them how to act broken with their siblings or with you. Think about that for a second. Do you want the story from this point on to be the same as it's been in your family if your family was broken? I can tell you what, I don't, okay? I don't want that same story in broken situations to continue that brokenness for generations. Oh, my great-grandpa broke the family and we kept breaking it all the time, okay? We don't want to continue that story. We don't want to continue that story. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. This is such a good one. Strive, meaning try. Okay? You have something to do here. You're grabbing hold of the peace that God's given you, and now you're trying. But look at what it says. Without which no one will see the Lord. Do you realize that we may be the only exposure that people have to Jesus? We may be the only exposure people have to Jesus. They may never look at a Bible. They may never go to church. We live in a post-Christian generation. When someone meets us, we should be the people that bring peace. Because guess what? When we are, people see who Jesus is. Because then we start to tell them about why we have the inner peace. Because we have peace with God. Sadly, in the culture we live in, some Christians have been a bad testimony because they're so outspoken on issues that have nothing to do with the gospel, but everything to do with their personal freedom or the way they think things should be. And it doesn't bring peace. All it does is ignite fires. That's what it does. Okay, If you're so outspoken, you should be outspoken on what Jesus did for you. That's what Paul says. He says, you know, I don't brag. He's like, I brag about what Jesus has done. Hey, that's, that's what we boast in. Maybe this is you. You have a hard time with others because they're so far from what you believe, what your opinions are, or how you think should, they, things should be. So you don't even care if you have peace with them now. You don't even care. You're just thinking, okay, they're going to come over and it's going to be my way and we're going to talk about things that I want to talk about and if they don't agree with me, they're fill in the blank, whatever. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. If you're not convinced yet that you need peace with these other people, here's what I want to do. I want to tell you about the benefits of making peace. You need to realize the benefits of making peace. I want to convince you, first of all, this. You are doing the right thing. If you're trying to make peace with other people, you're doing the right thing. James 3.18 says, And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You're doing the right 
thing. As a believer, don't allow the actions and the attitudes of others to stand in the way of you doing the right thing. Don't allow it. You're, you're just responding in kind. They said this. They did this. They believe this. Their opinion's this. They brought this up. You're letting their actions actually cause you to sin. That shouldn't be. You're doing the right thing if you try to have peace. The next benefit is this. People will know you follow Jesus. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You may think it's hard for me to tell people about Jesus. It's hard. And I know it's, it's not an easy conversation to bring up, right? We pray for opportunities and stuff. Sometimes it's a little awkward to bring stuff up. Sometimes people say things. So you might be thinking, it's hard for me to talk to people about Jesus. But do you know what makes it easier? Living in such a way that people know. That makes it so much easier. If you're living in such a way, I mean, we did that whole leadership series, right? It was all about character and integrity, right? If you live in that way, guess what? People aren't going to be like, wait, you're a Christian? Okay, they're not going to be surprised. They're going to be like, okay, that makes sense. Two and two, put this all together. Okay, even if they don't know much about the Bible or the Lord. So you're doing things to bring peace and people know that you follow Jesus, which next, it inspires others to be at peace with you. Proverbs 16, 7 says this, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. See, if a person has any conscience or moral compass at all, even as an unbeliever, they will have a difficult time being mean, nasty, and doing things to hurt you when you do things to promote peace. You get that? They're going to have a hard time. If you just kill them with kindness and you're trying to promote peace all the time, even your enemy is going to have a hard time not having peace with you. And the final benefit is you experience joy. Proverbs 12, 20. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise, devise evil, but those who plan peace, what? Have joy. At the end of the day, there's a sense of joy in the fact that you responded well. They may not have responded well. The situation may not have been healed, but when your head hits that pillow at the end of the day and you're talking to the Lord, you're like, Lord, I'm happy I did the right thing. He gives you that joy, and guess what? Contrary to popular belief, no one can take that joy away. Even the person that you are at odds with, they can't take that joy away because that's a joy given to you by God because you've been faithful. So before I close, though, I want to deal with something that may be on your mind. If you have a very difficult person in your life, and that is this. What if you can't have peace with someone? I know these people exist, and I sure hope it's not you, because it's a problem if it is, okay? You need to make some serious life changes. You might say, I've literally tried all this. I've tried all this, and it hasn't worked. Well, look at this passage. Matthew 10, 12 through 14. Um, this is Jesus speaking. I'm going to give you some context after I read it. It says, As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. 
So before Jesus said this, he was sending the 12 out to go to the religious Jews to preach the gospel. Essentially, he told them, if they do not listen to you and do not accept you, shake the dust off your feet. Or another phrase that we might use today, I wash my hands of it. These phrases are saying that I've done all I can and I have no further responsibility in the situation. So until they're willing to respond in the godly way and seek peace as well, at some point it might be better to part ways, take a break, maybe limit the time that you have together. This is actually last resort stuff. This is last resort. This is not an ideal situation, but what it does for us is it frees us to live out God's purposes for our lives and not expend extra time and energy and thoughts on the person and the situation. Now, Jesus said this to his disciples. Why? Because he's like, you could hang there and argue with them, but it's not going to make any difference. You can hang there and try to convince them, but it's not going to make any difference. So Jesus says, shake the dust off your feet and be on your merry way because there's other people that need to hear about the gospel. So the truth is, for us as believers in peace situations with people at work and school and, and friends and, and family members and stuff, this would be an extreme last resort. But the truth is, sometimes there's people that just will not respond. They just will not respond. Doesn't mean you stop praying for them, but at some point you just have to take a step back and say, listen, we can't spend this much time together if we continue on this toxic road. So this Christmas, let's have peace with other people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day, Lord. We're thankful for your word and how helpful it is for us in interpersonal relationships and every single thing that comes our way. I pray now, Lord, that if there's anyone here that is really just struggling with someone in their life, I pray that they've confessed their sins and what they may have done wrong to offend that person that may have caused the lack of peace. I pray, Lord, that for that person that they're dealing with, if that person's been sinning against them, I pray that you would help them in their heart to forgive. I pray, Lord, that each one of us has the peace that only you can give. And I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to keep our minds focused on you because you give us a peace that no one can take away. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.